friends and partners of Kevin Inman Ministries present Contenders Radio with Pastor Kevin Inman. Pastor Kevin is committed to equipping you to earnestly contend for the faith. For more information on Pastor Kevin and Contenders Radio, please visit our website at www.kevininman.org. That's www.kevininman.org. Welcome to another edition of Contenders Radio. I'm your host, Kevin Inman, and today we're going to talk about the election here in the United States that just, just uh, excuse me, just took place. Now, um, many of you are here in the United States, and you know about this, and I'm sure, um, because I've seen news articles from the Jerusalem Post and other places from around the world, but many of you are listening from other countries. We have a um, large number of you listening in from Belize, so hello to our Belizean friends. Hope to come visit uh, one day soon. That would be wonderful. Uh, but we also have uh, many listeners in other countries around the world, even in some of the restricted Islamic countries. Uh, so hello to you, our brothers and sisters in Christ. But we just want to uh, say hello to all of you out there. Thank you for listening. But also just let you know we did have an election. Now, this was not a presidential election, as our listeners here in America would understand. Uh, this was what's known as a midterm election. And this week's, uh, rather this past week's um, midterm elections has really once again proven just how deeply divided our nation really is. And so we see leftists rioting in the streets, uh, protesting, destroying property, kicking in the doors of conservative news persons, at least attempting to kick in the doors of conservative news persons. But uh, they're doing all these things in the, and here I have my air quotes going, uh, my quote-unquote air quotes here, but they are doing this all in the name of protesting hate, um, using violence to protest violence and hate. It's just ludicrous. It makes no sense. But again, it shows you how off-base America is. We desperately need the Lord Jesus Christ. We need the church in America to get back to proclaiming the truth, to put our trust in, not in chariots, not in horses, not in governments and armies, those things, but to put our trust in the Lord God. The Lord is the only hope, the only answer for not just this nation, but every nation upon this planet. But I'd like to talk today about this election from uh, not not just from the election viewpoint, I guess, but really um, just to talk about history and us understanding uh, that history is really God's story. It's his story, not to be cliche or cheesy there, but uh, it really is. History is the story of God interacting in the world today, the world of humanity, the world that he created. But. My friends, uh, this this division in this country, we're going to see, I believe, in the coming days, uh, just really an important time for for our church, an important time for the church to affirm and to profess some very important truths uh, to our nation. Um, now, let me just say that uh, in, in saying that, I, I believe that we're going to see dark days ahead. Uh, I do not agree with the new apostolic um, heretics. 
and those who have been led astray by those new apostolic reformation people uh, who believe uh, that, that, well, it's them and others. There are even some on the, the other end of the spectrum in the hyper-Calvinistic circles. Uh, two extremes here, far uh, left theologically speaking, far right theologically speaking, but we see people in both of those far extremes coming together in a false idea that we are to take over the world for Jesus, um, present a kingdom to him when he comes back. But that is not biblical uh, that's something we can actually pick up on on another episode and go more in depth. But Jesus will be bringing his kingdom with him. He will be establishing a kingdom on earth. Our job is not to prepare the earth um, politically. Our job is to preach the gospel and to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're here to make disciples. And so uh, that is our goal. But I do believe, uh, as I said a moment ago, that the world is going to grow darker before the King of Kings returns before the Lord of Lords returns, before Jesus returns in power and might, and he comes to execute judgment. He will spew forth from his mouth a sword uh, of the word of God, and he will smite, that's a great word, he will smite down uh, his enemies. And so I believe that day is coming, and I believe it will be getting darker until then. But I believe the darker this world becomes, I believe the more brightly the light of Jesus will shine through the church as we share the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so I, I hope that you are in, involved in sharing the gospel. And if not, I pray that you will get involved, that you will begin to share Christ with people even more fervently as we see the day of his return approaching. So these coming days are going to be very important for the church as the nation continues to divide, as the world continues to spin headlong into absolute chaos, as we are completely unhinged from the Bible, as sadly uh, Andy Stanley is proclaiming and pushing forth that we need to unhinge from the from the scripture especially from the old testament i think he's wrong i think he's in dangerous territory um we need the bible the bible is the word of god in fact um the bible is so highly regarded by the lord that he himself has said that he in the psalms that he elevates his word above even his own name that is a that is a high compliment for the word of god so we don't want to unhinge from that and and as we go forth and as we see the world growing darker and darker and spinning more and more into the world of chaos into the realm of chaos it's going to be more important that we proclaim the truth of the scriptures and we preach the gospel of jesus christ now i am not a prophet nor the son of a prophet but i can uh, and, and I cannot tell you all the details of, of how and when this nation will unravel. Um, but one thing I do know is that God is still in control. He is still in control. Now, you, you may be happy with the elections that took place this past Tuesday. You may be unhappy with the elections that took place this past Tuesday. But the, the, the fact of the matter is, regardless of how we feel and regardless of what we think politically, what we need to understand is that God is the author, the author, excuse me, of history. God is the author of history. Now, there's a couple things I'd like to share today. And the first one is this, that one, I, I think it's important that we understand as we, as we realize, as we remember, or maybe we just come to know for the first time today. Uh, I doubt that's the case, but if it is, then, then that's, that's wonderful. Let's do something with this information. But firstly, know that God raises up and destroys nations. There is no nation that has existed uh, in the past, there's no nation that exists today. There's no nation that may possibly come to exist in the future that has not been established by the Lord God himself. 
So I want you to understand that God is the author of history, and he raises up and he destroys nations. In fact, in Job twelve twenty three, the word of God says this, that he, the Lord God, he makes the nations great, then destroys them. He enlarges the nations, then leads them away. Folks, it is the Lord God who, who causes the nations to be. There is none other. There is absolutely none other. There's no one who can create any sort of um, nation, any sort of, of, of worldly power that hides that power and that creates that power in a vacuum void of God and his sovereign hand. God is in absolute control or else He's not God. You can't have a God cause, uh, who, who's powerless or who's, who's not omnipotent, who's not sovereign. The very definition of God screams forth his absolute power and sovereignty. He is by definition all-powerful, the almighty one. And so we need to understand that, that he makes the nations great. He destroys the nations. He enlarges nations or he leads nations away. He is the one who does all of those things. It's God. Um, in, in Job, um, you know, the story of Job, the Lord God um, shows off his servant Job to, to Satan, to that fallen angelic being, to Lucifer. And he says, look at Job. Look at him, how he honors me, how he praises me, how he uh, worships me. Of course, Satan asked for permission which I think is very telling. Uh, Satan cannot harm us unless that um, activity, uh, whatever he tries to throw at us, it is, it is requested of the Lord. It has to be filtered through the hand of our mighty Lord. That is a very comforting thought. But, but, but uh, uh, in the midst of, of the persecution, in the midst of the tragedies that, that Satan throws upon uh, Job, Job ultimately still stands strong in the Lord, but it's during it's during all of that in, in that in that book of Job in in the goings on of of his of his trials there we see that God is reaffirming to Job but but to the world that he is the one that is in control. He is the one that is in power. He is the one that is strong and mighty, and there is none other um, that can compare to the Lord God. It is, it is he alone who raises up and destroys nations. Uh, we see that in, in Ezekiel chapter 14 as well, beginning at verse 13 down through verse 18. Ezekiel 14 verses 13 through 18. That's chapter 14 verses 13 and following. So it says this, it says, Son of man, if a country sins against me by committing unfaithfulness and I stretch out my hand against it, destroy its supply of bread, send famine against it, and cut, uh, cut off from it both man and beast, even though these three men, Noah, Daniel, and Job, were in its midst by their own righteousness, they could only deliver themselves, declares the Lord. If I were to cause wild beasts to pass through the land and they depopulated it and it became desolate so that no one would pass through it because of the beast, though these three men were in its midst, as I live, declares the Lord God, they could not deliver either their sons or their daughters. They alone would be delivered, but the country would be desolate. The country would be desolate. It goes on in verse 17. Or if I should bring a sword on that country and say, let the sword pass through the country and cut off man and beast from it. Even though these three men were in its midst, as I live, declares the Lord God, they could not deliver their sons or their daughters, but they alone would be delivered. Folks, what a tragic um, picture that the Lord God is bringing against, against Israel. 
Now he holds up um, uh, these these men, uh, Noah, Daniel, and Job, uh, heroes of the faith in the Old Testament. Uh, they're mentioned here, uh, and 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 just speaking um, of their righteousness, of their intercession on behalf of others. Um, we see how they have done so at strategic points throughout history. Uh, Noah, obviously, in Genesis chapter six, with Daniel, uh, the book of Daniel, um, in a time during Israel's captivity. Uh, Daniel is a righteous man. Daniel called the um, beloved Daniel. He is beloved of the Lord, and it's amazing. Uh, he is the one who in the Old Testament is called beloved, and he sees the panoramic view uh, going forward of history, of God's interaction in history, future history for Daniel. Uh, just like John, the revelator, John, the apostle John in the New Testament called the beloved disciple, and he gets another extremely detailed, more so than any other writer in the New Testament, more so so than Paul, more so than Peter, more so than any other person in the New Testament. John sees the revelation of Jesus, the unveiling of Jesus, the apocalypse of Jesus returning in splendid glory and power and strength and might and, and, and holiness and, and beauty, all of those things. It's John the Beloved. So Daniel the Beloved in the Old Testament seeing um, history unfold. But but he is, he is um, not only getting to see that in the future, Daniel himself gets to live through nation upon nation being come into power. He sees king, a leader being brought up, but he sees how the Lord God uh, is the one who is sovereign over even the building up and the destroying of nations. It is the Lord God. Uh, uh, Haggai, uh, Haggai uh, chapter 12, verse 6 and 7 says this. It says, For thus says the Lord of hosts, Once more in a little while I'm going to shake the heavens and the earth, the sea also and the dry land. I will shake all the nations and they will come um, they will come with the wealth of all the nations, and I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord of hosts. It's God who shakes nations for his will, for his glory, to accomplish his purposes. That's the Lord God's prerogative, to raise up and to destroy nations. And so regardless of how votes go in uh, how they've gone in the past here in the country of uh, the United States or, or in any country um, where, where you may be. It, it's, it's, it's futile to think that any certain election is going to thwart God's sovereign hand. It's God who establishes nations. It's God who does that. But also the second thing is to realize that he establishes the, the leaders as well. It's God who brings, um, who raises up. It's God who removes the leaders of all of these nations as well. Daniel chapter 2, we mentioned Daniel a few moments ago, but Daniel chapter 2 verse 21 says, it is he who changes the times and the epochs, he, um, the seasons. Um, it is uh, he who removes kings and establishes kings. He gives wisdom to wise men and knowledge to men of understanding. That is the Lord God. The Lord God is the one who does that. He not only raises up and destroys nations, he raises up and removes the leaders as well. It is God who does this. He is the one who is sovereign over history. He alone is sovereign over history. Our vote is important. And listen, I, I'm not encouraging anyone to stop voting, especially in a country like America where we have unprecedented freedom. We have um, – we have – it's supposed to be a constitutional republic. It doesn't always work that way. Obviously, whenever mankind is involved, it's going to be far from perfect. <laughs> but, but we have a great system, a tremendous system that was established by our founding fathers um, in order to accomplish um, the ruling of, of, a, of a, a people 
um, who who would, would it's really for a godly people. It's it's very hard. In fact, I would say it's near impossible, save for the Lord God Himself, to govern. Um, an unruly, unjust, atheistic society. And we're beginning to see the, the fruit of that in this country, sadly. But but still, our nation is still um, a great nation, at least in ideology, at least the, the idea, because uh, we have these freedoms. We have the right to vote. We have the ability, the opportunity, and the rights, the prerogatives, to actually cast a vote and that vote be heard in Washington and many nations. I know many of you uh, do not have the privilege of, of, of having that sort of freedom and, and, and responsibility, uh, but opportunity even. You don't have that in your countries, and, and um, I, I, I wish that you did. But I also recognize the fact that, that here, even though we've enjoyed such freedom for, for many years now, we are beginning to see uh, it unraveling at the seams. And so um, it's something that that we need to be grateful for, yes, but we also need to recognize, um, and, and, and let me just say this, we need to take the opportunity to vote while we do have the opportunity. We need to take the opportunity while we have the chance. I think it's very important. We should vote um, not personality. We shouldn't even vote our pocketbook. And uh, here, here you go. Here's, here's some free advice. Ready? Um, you didn't ask for it, but here it is anyway. Uh, we should vote on the principles of, of Christianity. We should vote biblical values, biblical morals. Uh, anything less than that is going to lead us even more swiftly into judgment and destruction. But again, we need to recognize God raises up and destroys nations. God raises up and removes leaders. It is God. We vote while we have the opportunity, yes, um, but God sovereignly works even amidst um, our ability to, to vote, to exercise our choice uh, in these matters. He sovereignly still is over even that freedom that we enjoy. But we see also that God's word is very clear pertaining to um, what we do with government. Uh, in Romans chapter 13, we see uh, um, just a very clear pronouncement that government authorities have been established by God. There's just no way around it. In Daniel, excuse me, in Romans chapter 13, verses 1 and 2, it says, Every person is to be in subjection to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those which exist are established by God. Therefore, whoever resists authority has opposed the ordinance of God, and they uh, who have opposed will receive condemnation upon themselves. So folks, listen, we we need to recognize that government is from the Lord and Christians are admonished um, by government to submit to and we're and or rather we're we're admonished by God himself through his word, especially here in Romans 13, we're admonished to submit to and honor our governing authorities. Now we're to do that whether we like whoever our governing authorities are or or not. We're to do so whether it's the people we voted for or not. We, we have seen just in, in the last several years just an un I, I can't I can't I can't uh, seem to remember I can't recall I, I, I look back and, and I don't recall any instances in the past where where we have behaved so so violently um, and so even so childishly and unhinged and unraveled um, as we've seen in the past few years. Um, now, regardless of, of your feelings of the current president uh, or the past president or any president for that matter, uh, you, you, have to, you have to, if you're honest, if we're honest, we have to agree that people uh, are, are more 
are more outspoken. They're more uh, distraught, seemingly. There, there seems to be just a, a greater despair, more so than any time that I can recall, uh, at least in my lifetime, in, in American history. All because of who's in office. But, folks, God raises up nations. God destroys nations. God raises up leaders. God removes leaders. But we as Christians... We as Christians, we have a calling that's higher than any political calling. We have a calling from the Lord God to submit to and to honor our governing authorities. We don't have to agree with everything they do, but we are to honor them because the Bible says so. In fact, it goes on in Romans chapter um, chapter 13, verse 3, for rulers are not a cause for fear, uh, not a cause of fear for good behavior, but for evil. Do you want to have no fear of authority? Then do what is good, and you will have praise from the same. For it is a minister of God to you for good. But if you do what is evil, be afraid, for it does not bear the sword for nothing. For it is a minister of God, an avenger who brings wrath on all who practice evil. Therefore, it's necessary to be in subjection. It is. It's necessary. So, so, so listen, government is supposed to. Now, again, supposed to punish evil and reward good. And I understand that because of our fallen nature and depending on who is in office, who is in uh, any office, not just the president. Our presidents do not have unlimited power. Obviously, only God has that. But um, we do not live in a dictator type, a dictatorship, a dictatorial type of government. We have a democracy. So, so the different branches, obviously, um, executive branch and, and, and the different branches all have a shared power. Now, it doesn't always seem that way. They don't work together often. Um, sometimes they do, but it just there's always this struggle. But but again, um, there's supposed to be balance. And yet, these are fallen creatures. These are fallen leaders who are in these offices, and and things do not always go well. Sometimes, and and sadly, um, sometimes. Our leaders call what's evil, they call it good, and they call what's good evil. And so there's a struggle there. And yet our call is to submit um, to the uh, government authorities as they have been established by God. Now, we should never sin. Um, We should never allow our obeying the government to lead us into sin, to breaking the rules of God, the laws of God, the commands of God. Uh, We have to draw the line there, uh, such as um, murder, murder. you know, not talking about war. War is different. The Bible speaks to war, but murder, um, thou shalt not kill. Literally, thou shalt not murder. And folks, if we're told by our government, if we're um, if we're commanded by our government, if we're encouraged by our government, however it comes out, if we're supporting through our tax dollars, wow, the, the sanctioned murder of innocents, such as through abortion, we have to speak up against those things. We have to uh, obey the law, yes, but we have to speak out against the atrocities. Uh, I know there are there are um, fine lines there, it would seem at times, but still, just know that it's God who raises those nations. It's God who removes the notion, destroys those nations. It's God who raises the leaders. It's God who removes those leaders. But Christians, we are to, to honor, to submit to those governing authorities um, that have been established by God. We are to submit to them as far as they are doing good, and uh, and that's not determined by, by our values. It's determined by God. Are they upholding godly things? Or are they not? And, and again, this could get into something that maybe we need to spend another broadcast uh, or two or three or four or 20 talking about. But, but listen, know, just know that God's in control. Just know that he's in control, that he, he is in control of the nations and the leaders of those nations. What are we as Christians to do when we are in the midst of 
of a government that that seems to be unhinged and that seems to be off the rails. Well, First Peter chapter two verse thirteen um, and following has a little to say about that as well. It says, "Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether to a king." Uh, as the one in authority or two governors as sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and the praise of those who do right. Again, there's that, there's the parameters there for the government. They should punish the wicked. They should, should, should praise those who do right. And I know it doesn't always happen that way. And I wish it did, but it always doesn't. But as far as we can, we should honor those who are in authority. Uh, it goes on to say, um, Verse 15, for such is the will of God that by doing right, you may silence the ignorance of foolish men. Act as free men and do not use your freedom as a covering for evil, but use it as bond slaves of God. The word uh, bond slaves, doulos. Um, we, are, we are bond slaves. We are slaves of God. And so we recognize that we answer to a higher authority even than, than our government. And yet verse 17 tells us to honor all people, to love the brotherhood, to fear God, and to honor the king. So we should behave according to the scriptures. We're called even to pray for the leaders of the government. Uh, And not just, it doesn't tell us just to pray for those that you like and agree with. It says that we should pray for um, all the leaders of the government. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1 through 4. First of all, then, I urge that entreaties and prayers and petitions and thanksgivings be made on behalf of all men, for kings and all who are in authority, so that we may lead a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. This is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. And, and then he goes on from there. But see, folks, our, our, our call is to, to be prayerful, to be in prayer for the leaders of our government, knowing that he raises up and destroys nations, knowing that he raises up and removes leaders. So the Christian should seek to, to live, according to First Timothy, a, a quiet life within the culture. Our goal should be not to um, not to... Um, be about you know conquering education and culture and and, and all of these different uh, things that so many seem to be chasing after today. Our, our our goal is to make disciples and 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 we do so leading quiet lives within the culture. Our our goal should be to win um, the respect of of folks. Uh, our our goal is ultimately their salvation to preach the gospel and see people saved. But but we should do so in a way that's that's respectful of non-believers, uh, loving one another. Um, working with an ethic that is godly, that would honor God, to do all things as unto the Lord, uh, living at peace with one another as far as it is within our ability to do so. Um, that's what uh, we see in First Thessalonians. Um, it says, make it our ambition to lead a quiet life and to tend to your own business and work with your hands just as we commanded you. This is what Paul is telling those Christians in Thessalonica, so that you will have properly, or rather you will behave properly toward outsiders and not be in any need. We're to act in a way that is honoring unto the Lord. Um, we see, he goes on to say in chapter 5 of First Thessalonians, Paul telling those Christians in Thessalonica who were living under the, the authority, living under the, the ruling of an unjust government, government. They were. It was an unjust government, more so than we experience even here in America um, today or even you know, three, four years ago under the previous president, under any, any president. Um, but here, what Paul encourages is this in First Thessalonians 5.12. He says, but we respect, uh, rather request of you, brethren, that you appreciate those who diligently labor among you and have charge over you in the Lord and give you instruction. 
Why? He goes on to say, he, uh, rather, also he says, and, and that you esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Live in peace with one another. We urge you, brethren, admonish the unruly, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, and uh, be patient with everyone. See that no one repays evil uh, for evil, but always seek after that which is good for one another and for, for all people. He goes on to say, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks. And, and he continues from there. But, but this speaks to how we live under a nation that may be just, may be unjust. It speaks to how we live under a ruler who may be a king, a president, who may be just or who may be unjust. But we do so knowing that God is the one that we ultimately serve. And God is the one who is, is in control. And that brings me to the third and final point for this broadcast today. So it is this. It's that God's sovereign hand governs and, and, and times all events, and he provides for his creation according to his plan and purposes. So he raises up and removes nations. He raises up and removes leaders of those nations. And he's sovereignly in charge of all events, all, all, all things, all of his creation. He works out everything according to his plan and purpose. We know this because of verses like 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 15, which says that God will bring about at the proper time he who is the blessed and only sovereign, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. What will he do? He will accomplish his will. He will accomplish his plan. He will accomplish his purpose, and he will do so not losing one of those whom he has chosen to save. The Lord God will do so regardless of what nation's in power or what nation overthrows you know, whatever other nation, regardless of, of who um, is president of the United States or who is in charge of um, uh, Israel, who is in charge of Russia or, or, or India. It doesn't matter regardless of any so-called nation or ruler. God is the one who ultimately is sovereign, King of kings, Lord of lords, and his will will be done. Acts chapter 17, verse 24 and following says this, The God who made the world and all things in it, since he is the Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in temples made with hands, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all people... Um, uh, he gives them life and breath in all things. Verse 26 says, And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on uh, uh, all the face of the earth, having determined their appointed times and the boundaries of their habitations, that they would seek God, if perhaps they might grope for him and find him, though he is not far from each of us. Folks, it is the Lord God who plants us in the nations that we are in, in the times, in the seasons that we are in. It is his will for us to be here for such a time as this. Zechariah 14.9 says, The Lord will be king over all the earth. In that day, the Lord will be the only one, and his name the only one. There is nothing, no nation or no ruler of any nation. It doesn't matter whether it's Democrat, Republican, Independent. It doesn't matter. None of those things ultimately will thwart God because he will stand. His word will stand. Politicians will come and go, but folks, the word of the Lord will stand forever. For all flesh is like grass, Peter tells us, 1 Timothy 1.24, and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower falls off, but the word of the Lord endures forever. It is God who will stand. So folks, Christians need to understand that this world is not our home. We are to live as Paul said, or rather as Peter said, also in First Peter, I think chapter two, yeah, First uh, Peter chapter two, verse eleven. Beloved, I urge you as aliens and strangers, 
aliens and strangers, to abstain from fleshly lusts which wage war against your soul. Keep your behavior excellent among the Gentiles, so that in the thing in which they slander you as evildoers, they may be cause of your good deeds uh, as they observe them. Glorify God in the day of his visitation. We're to live as aliens and strangers here, recognizing that the Lord God, he is our God. He is our sovereign. He is our king. We serve him. We serve him. Folks, we're out of time today. There's so much more that could be said, so we'll, we'll pick up again in a future episode. But just know for now that regardless of what happens in any election in any country, it's God who is in control. He raises up and destroys nations. He raises up and removes leaders of those nations, and he sovereignly governs the timing of all events and provides for his creation all according to his plan and his will. There is nothing that escapes his attention. There is nothing that um, there is nothing that that escapes his gaze. He alone is in control. So continue, continue on uh, proclaiming the gospel, preaching the faith of Jesus Christ, and contending for the faith that was once and for all handed down. Until next time, God bless. Thanks for listening to today's broadcast of Contenders Radio with Pastor Kevin Inman. For more information on this or other broadcasts, please log on to our website, contendersradio.com. That's contendersradio.com. You can also find us on the web at kevininman.org. That's kevininman.org. There you will find podcast episodes, blog posts, study helps, and more. You can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Thanks again for listening. And may God bless you in your pursuit of the truth.